hello, welcome, welcome, hello, and welcome. Glad you could make it. I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com. Thanks for joining us. We do this little live stream every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern that are, for those of you that are a little bit mountain challenged. Glad to have you here. What we're going to do today is we're going to give you the shipping report. We start off every live stream telling you how uh, shipping went, let you know if there were any losses and such. So we're going to do that. We have a beautiful giveaway for you tonight. So if you're joining, you're eligible to win a group of free fish. We'll get into that in a little bit. You don't have to do anything. There's no cost or anything. All you have to do is enter into the chat, and uh, that's it. So we have that. And then we'll get to your questions and comments and find out what's going on with all of you folks. So let's get to it. The shipping report is for the year since February 1st of 2022. That's when we started calculating this with our new system. Um, we are at 98.85% of all the fish that we send to customers arriving alive and staying alive. So that counts DOAs and that also counts what we call DOLs, which is a fish that arrived in rough shape. And even though it arrived alive, um, there's obviously, you know, eh, it had a rough trip and a few days later, a week later, whatever, it, it, it passed on. So we don't discount DOAs. We also count fish that arrived alive, but, but we're, you know, a little iffy. So that's what we call a DOL here at Dan's Fish. So 98.85%. Um, since last Wednesday, on last Wednesday, we lost, a, a customer lost one platinum rummy nose tetra. And since then, there have been no losses in shipping, which is fantastic. So all the shipping that we've done since last Wednesday, everything, as far as we know, has arrived alive and in good shape. We haven't had any reports to the contrary. So pretty happy about that. Uh, I wish that one platinum rummy nose had not been lost, so I could have said 100% because it's been a long time since I, I've been able to say that. We're just shipping so many fish now that... Uh, that statistically it's going to be very rare <laughs> that we have a 100% week, even though our, our losses are, you know, right around 1%. At this, at this time, they're just barely, barely over 1% for the year. So that's the shipping report. Let's get into the giveaway. Bex Fishroom, thanks so much for the super chat. She's got a 60 breeder that cycled. Super excited to start ordering some fish. Keep up the awesome work, Dan. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks to you, Bex, and thank you for, uh, for the generous super chat. Always appreciated, never required, but it does make my wife super happy when money falls out of the computer screen onto our laps. So thank you so much. Um, the giveaway for tonight is a fish which isn't super rare or anything, but it is awfully purdy. So <laughs> the giveaway for tonight is uh, a group of blue coral calico platys. And this is what they look like. I think these pictures are pretty darn accurate. They have a, a blue sheen to them. They have the calico, yeah, the, the black spots on them that make them calico. And then they also have this uh, kind of reddish, orangish tail and kind of back part of the body on that cream white on the front. So really pretty fish we have a bunch of them and they're doing fantastic and they've been doing fantastic for quite a while so i think these are going to do i think they're going to be amazing for you that's why we're we've chose this for the giveaway basically the way we choose the giveaway 
is I go around the fish warehouse here and as I'm feeding fish or caring for fish or whatever, every now and then a group will pop out and I'm like, man, those are looking extra good, right? And so that's usually how we decide what to give away. So these, these guys are looking extra good. They're fantastic. If you missed it, we featured them in the video that was released a couple days ago. Uh, it was a shortish tour of some new fish that included these. So if you want to see the actual fish that we're giving away, they are available for your viewing pleasure <laughs> in that video. I think it's called Brand Spanking New Fish Tour or something like that. Something like that. Something with spanking in it. And if you'd like to win those, all you have to do is enter hashtag platy in the chat. That's hashtag P-L-A-T-Y. No spaces. Caps don't matter. But no space between the hashtag and the word platy. Hashtag P-L-A-T-Y. Enter that in chat and you will automatically be entered to win a, a group of those really purdy platties. They're not just pretty, they're purdy. And uh, yeah, looks like folks are doing it, so that's very good. I'm gonna get back to, hang on, stream health is excellent. Good, that's what we like to see. Hey, Stephen P. 2003 Aquartics throwing down a flying pear superhero along with 10 smackaroos. Thanks, Stephen P. Or as I like to say, not Stefan. <laughs> appreciate you. Thanks for the super chat. Always appreciated, never required, but we're a little startup company, so every, every penny really does help. And I'm not just saying that. Every penny does help. Besides that, we have been pretty much just busy shipping fish and getting the new imports that we received healthy and happy and fat and sassy so we can ship them. We were able to list just a very few species from, from the African Congo import that came from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We were able to list just a few of them. Most of them are still not ready, but a few came in better shape than the rest and are, are ready to go. So those are now on the website dancefish.com, although I don't think we have pictures up yet, so you have to kind of, I think, go to page six before you can see them because any listing without a picture goes is listed below all the listings that do have pictures so um let's see that's i think that's the update i'm i i think i might have mentioned a while ago that for the last several months the wyoming fish and wildlife and i have been working together to create new regulations basically this is something they were going to do anyway they were towards the tail end of creating these new regulations, one of which was uh, a regulation for private hatcheries, which is what this fish facility technically is under their definitions, because we do tie it to the local waterway. Since we tie it to the local river, uh, under their licensing, we are considered a private fish hatchery. And they saw that this was being built as they were finishing up their couple years effort to modify regulations, because they hadn't <laughs> modified anything for since like the 70s and basically like hunting mountain lions was being considered in the same grouping as keeping fish like it was just really old antiquated stuff so uh they were redoing it and for the last several months they, they saw that we were building this business and so they came by and they're like hey what are you doing well they kind of knew because we'd reached out but um and they told me about these regulations they were doing i was like oh can i see those they sent me a copy 
And so we've been going back and forth basically to figure out a way to create a series of regulations which will complete two goals. These are the two goals. Their main goal is protect the local waterway, and that's one of my main goals as well. And the second goal that we both have is, but still be able to do business. So I'm happy to say that that's all pretty much come to an end. Uh, I have an inspection tomorrow morning from one of the fish and wildlife agents to come do an inspection so that I can technically start uh, the application process to get the license to uh, become a private fish hatchery. So this is a brand new requirement that's come through just recently. We've been working really close together and uh, I think it's going to be good. One, one thing that we're trying to prevent is I, I think there's been, well I know there's been lots of places in the country where take Florida or Hawaii or what have you. Well, lots of places. There's plecos all over Texas right now where there were no regulations or not sufficient regulations, right? And people kind of did whatever they wanted and now we have a bunch of invasive species. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is you have so many regulations that no one can do business uh, with live animals. So you don't like either of those extremes. I think we really have come together and found a, a good thing, which is, okay, we want to protect that waterway, let's do that, but also do it in a way that we can, uh, you know, be in business. And I, I think we've accomplished both goals. I think that waterway will be safe from any invasive species, and uh, we have to do some reporting and keep some records and, and qualify for some things, and we'll be inspected occasionally to make sure that we don't have any aquatic invasive species that we're housing that could be introduced to the local waterway or that uh, we don't have any diseases that they're worried about getting into the local waterway, things like that. And we'll just work together to make sure that we're doing business safely. So this is actually something that, you know, normally you think of business and you think of regulation, you think that they hate each other, but I actually think this is good. I would, I would like any business that deals with live fish to have to do it in a way that's responsible. And yeah, I don't want so much bureaucracy that it's gonna be a problem. But the good thing about Wyoming is we're a small enough state that, that we can still have conversations that are meaningful. I can contact Fish and Wildlife or the Department of Environmental Quality or the State Engineer's Office or what have you and I can actually get a hold of someone and I don't have to bribe anyone and I don't have to hire a lawyer I can explain what I'm trying to do and they can explain what they're trying to do and we can find a way to make it work for both of us. So uh, I don't know if this would work everywhere. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to get this done in Los Angeles where I used to live, but I'm really excited about it for here because I think it's going to protect the waterway. And any future hatcheries or facilities going forward will have to have protocols in place to protect the waterway so we can you know, keep, keep problems out. So. In this one case, I think it's going to be helpful. So anyway, that's, that's a lot of what's been going on here, uh, finalizing that and going through this brand new process uh, to get the... Now it's paperwork. Like, I, I've already way above their regulations. Like, I... Before we even knew about the regulations, we had things in place to protect the creek and everything, the local waterway. So it's not onerous. It's nothing that... We're already going way above and beyond what they're requiring. Uh, but now it's just paperwork because now you have to document everything and 
fill out the form to apply for the formal license and all that. So working on that. First step tomorrow will be that uh, inspection. And I'm actually looking forward to it. I've, the Fish and Wildlife has been here lots of times. I think we've had seven or eight uh, agents from them come through since we opened. And mostly it's because they're fascinated by what we're doing. These are folks that like fish and are like biology and ecology and stuff like that. And so it's, been, it's kind of been cool to show them around and show them what we're doing. So I'm actually looking forward to it. Anyway, that's, that's a lot of my week. That and trying really hard to get pictures up on the website. I know it's hard to buy fish from a website when there's no pictures. <laughs> I get it. So I've been working really hard to get those up. However, taking pictures of fish is not easy and it takes forever, but I'm still working through it. Um, so that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. In a moment, we'll hear from you guys and find out what's going on in your neck of the woods. But first, I want to thank my moderators. Thank you so much for being here. I see Skipper's Aquariums. I see Chevy Fish. I see Kaler's Aquatics and Reptiles. I'm pretty sure that Johnny from Dance Fish is in here somewhere. And Random Arms might be in here as well. Punchy Paints, hello. And I'm scrolling. I'd, I'd hate to miss somebody. We don't have that many mods, though. We kind of keep the crew small. Yeah, that looks like it. So thank you to the moderators for being here and doing what they do, volunteering their time every week to make this show successful. We appreciate that. With that, let's find out what's going on with you guys. If you have a question or comment or a a topic you would like discussed, if you'd leave it in the chat, um, then I can get to that. If you make it at Dan's Fish, at symbol Dan's Fish, or hashtag Dan's Fish, then uh, I'll see it better because it'll turn bright orange and highlight for me, which would be awesome. First one, Scotty the Fish Freak. Thank you for the gift card to the Keystone Clash. Appreciate the support. Hope to see you in person at the event next year in some capacity, vendor and or speaker. Hey, Scotty, thank you so much. Um, I hope uh, things are awesome. <laughs> I know these events can be, there are a lot to put on. So I appreciate anyone that takes the, takes that kind of task on and puts in all the effort to basically, it's like planning a wedding. If you've ever planned a wedding, you know what it's like to plan an event like this, right? It's a lot. So thank you so much and happy to, happy to support. And yeah, let's talk. I'd, I'd love to talk of this ketone, ketone. <laughs> at the Keto Clash, at the Keystone Clash. I think that would be great. Now that this store is, this warehouse is built and everything, I have all the documentation of doing it. I think a really cool presentation would be just, uh, you know, all of us fish nerds in the back of our mind have this kind of dream that is either just something that we think about or something we hope to do one day of like owning a fish store, right? Or something like that. And so I, I think giving a presentation on how we built this one and why we built it like we built it would be would be interesting for folks. I can also do the uh, how to properly, you know, bag and ship fish in a responsible way. I can do that one as well. Those are the kind of the two that I have that I can go at any moment and be ready to do. Um, so those are the two I could commit to. There's others, but I'd have to do a lot of prep work, and I just don't have the time to do all the prep right now. Paul Soltero, I can see why Wyoming would be would group mountain lions and tropical fish together. Yeah, everything was together. Elk, bears, mountain lions, reptiles, amphibians, fish, birds. Like, it was all being treated the same. And obviously, you know, that's not quite right. <laughs> A-Train, hope you're doing well. I am. 
I'm doing great. I loved the Liebear video this week. Do any of your Liebear tanks produce fry or do they get eaten? My Endlers never seem to go after their fry, but my guppies did. Yeah, there's some strains of Endlers that breed constantly here. One is the Steak Endlers. Uh, stack, Steak, uh, Wolf, Doctor, who is it? Doctor Steak, what's his first name? Is it Wolfgang? Wilhelm? I don't know. But anyway, uh, the Steak Endlers that we got from Alexander Engelhart got some to resell, kept them in a, a bear tank with a sponge filter, basically, and they just keep breeding. So. <laughs> the plan was to sell them and then buy more from Alexander, but they, they're so prolific that we have more than we've sold. So, so far we haven't had to buy any more from Alexander. So I would say that the easiest endler that I've raised yet is the steak endler, which is ironic because they're an expensive endler, but those guys for sure. Um, Zephophorus, uh, I want to say wine milleri, but that's not it. Zephophorus milleri. Let me show you this fish. This is a cool one. Zephophorus I think the common name is Catamaco Liber or something like that. Um, these guys. These are awesome. They're basically, they, they remind me of a, a Calico Platy, if you will. Like a melanistic type of Platy. Oh, that's our pitcher. Yay. I love when our pitcher is like right up there on... SEO, that's awesome. So we're raising some of those. We also are raising some fourth spot Merry Widows. What is it? Felicthes uh, Quadropunctatus? Here it is, yeah. Felicthes Quadropunctatus. These little guys. Basically, the, the only things that we really try to raise up our our live bears well we don't even try but when live bears spawn that are rare or expensive then it's like okay maybe it's worth raising this batch letting them go so we'll move them to a tank that has like i don't know plecos in it or something like that um something that corridors something that is not going to eat them and just let them raise up it's kind of how we do it but yeah fish spawn here all the time it's rare, though, that we take the time and tank space to actually raise them. There has to be a good reason to do that, either financially or just, you know, that thing's so rare, you never see it. Let's try to distribute these a bit. Uh, the thing that's really exciting right now is dwarf pipefish. So we've been able to raise, um, spawn and raise several dwarf pipefish. And we've got a group of babies right now that are, I don't know, inch and a half, two inches or so that we're getting a little bigger before we sell those but those were born and bred right here uh let's see if some others eh, there's a few rainbows and stuff scattered around because rainbows just breed like crazy some rice fish things like that all right steven p 2003 already got that one fish tank barn new member hey fish tank barn thank you so much glad you could join us thanks for joining up and uh i hope those i don't know if you want people to know which libraries you got but you got a really cool one and i hope that they're doing well for you and get tons of babies ours are spawning like crazy they seem to be generally pretty hardy i think we've only lost let me mm, i can't check can i yeah i'll check this on my phone i think it's a true statement that we've only lost one of them of all the ones that we've shipped out 
And that was probably, my guess is that might have been a female that was about ready to give birth. We try not to ship females that are close to giving birth, but sometimes we literally don't have any that aren't. Yes, we've only lost one of those in shipping of all the ones we've sent. Sorry it happened to be one we sent to you. <laughs> Ain't life funny like that. But anyway, I hope they do well for you. Uh, let's see here. Wait, Stephen P. 2003 Aquatics. Oh, it's a second one. That's why. Thank you for the second super chat. Not Stefan. Really appreciate it. Keystone Clash 2, 2023 Travel Fund. Now you're obligated not to misappropriate these funds. <laughs> There'll be a congressional investigation, I'm sure. <laughs> Bex Fish Room. More Keystone Clash 2, 2023 Travel Funds must happen. Yeah, I would, I would totally accept that speaking appointment. I would totally accept that. That's, that's an event I've been wanting to go through. Go through. Hang on. I, guys, I don't get enough sleep. It's, it's been a long day. I start in the morning and just go all day. So I'm a little tired by the time we roll around to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on a Wednesday. Happy hump day. Mm. Sometimes water is just so good. <laughs> anyway, Keystone Clash is an event that I've been wanting to go to. I don't know how long it's been around, but I feel like for like two decades now, it's been something I've been wanting to go to. I don't know if it's been around that long, but that's what it feels like. Sushi Berry. So what is that? Like a little piece of raw fish? like soaked in maraschino cherry juice. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> anyway, Sushi Berry. Can't wait to see our three pairs of metal pastel guppies next week. My eight-year-old daughter may have to share. Oh yeah, I think, I think you're gonna love them. They are bright, they are happy, and they're this just neat pastel color. I, I think you're gonna dig them. Kelly Foreman, trust me, Dan, the peer pressure to go to the clash is intense. <laughs> I don't need the pressure. I would, I would, if they invited me, I would go. I mean, barring some super unforeseen thing, I guess I have to give myself some kind of caveat. But yeah, uh, the clash is something I've been interested in in a long time. Because isn't it a killifish event in part? That's what I remember. I remember it from my killifish days. Keystone Clash Killy. Yeah, killifish. Right? Yeah, lots of killifish. I, I knew that. I, I, I was sure that it was a killifish show in part. Yeah. Would love to do that. Anything killifish related, I love. Although I have to admit, it's been a while since I've had the time to really read up on them. And if you don't read up about killifish frequently, then you're out of date. The names change all the time. <laughs> New discoveries are made all the time. So, uh, yeah. Skippers Aquariums, I'm here listening, getting ready for the Fishtoberfest at Dance Fish and everyone. That's awesome. I'm glad you're going to be able to make that. It was a blast last year. 
Fishtoberfest was a lot of fun. And thanks to everyone that put that on. And uh, I met some great people there. Oh, I need to get a hold of... That reminds me. One of them has some Adokita that I've been wanting. And I need to contact him. He texted me. And with how crazy things have been lately, texts get lost. Like, the way I manage my workflow is basically through email. So if it comes in a text, I'll read it, and then it's, like, no longer up there, right? It gets buried. So, But that reminded me I've got to reach out to someone to get some Adokita in. Ginger coats. I Google the fish that don't have picks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the way to do it. But you shouldn't have to, right? A... Uh, Johnny at Dance Fish, I'm around. I, I know Johnny. I wasn't <laughs> that wasn't me checking on you. Johnny, are you there? Where are you, Johnny? <laughs> no, it's none of that. Yeah, I I hear you, Ginger Coats. Thanks for Googling them. I just I feel like I should have pictures. It's just hard to do. It takes a long time to get good pictures, and we don't want to put post pictures that aren't good. And I'm no kind of photographer, so add all that together, pictures is like a big Big event, getting that all together. All right, Mr. B's, CPD's, got to see a group of rainbow shiners in person. Awesome sight. There's not a picture on the internet that can compare. Absolutely. Yeah, the, there's a lot of beauty in a lot of fish, including the rainbow shiner, that just is not picked up well on camera, whether it's video or pictures. When those things fire, they're stunning. Yeah. It's a sight to beat, any sight to beat. It's right up there with any sight in nature. I, I agree. I'm glad you got to see that. There are 267 folks here tonight. Thanks for being here, everybody. If, I don't know how you found us, but thanks for, for piling in. Glad to have you. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to invite all your exes in, we could get this even higher. 271? Yeah, go invite your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, and uh, let's add some drama to the chat. <laughs> VB23 What should I do if my tap water has 1 to 2 ppm ammonia? Ooh, Just double down the Seachem safe dose Man, I have never had to deal with ammonia in my tap water I think So Seachem safe or prime in the instructions tells you how much to add if you're trying to uh, detoxify ammonia. Basically, I think it converts the ammonia to ammonium, which is a, a less toxic form. The issue is it only does that, I haven't read that label in a while, but I believe it, it makes that change and it's stable as ammonium for 24 hours or something like that. So in a well-cycled tank with uh, good filtration and things, if you detoxify the ammonia and if it does indeed keep it stable as ammonium, for 24 hours or so, I think your filter and your tank should be able to digest that ammonia without too much trouble. But the only way to know this for sure is to test. So if next time you do a, a water change, I'd add the Seachem Safe. I would probably do that before I put the water in the aquarium just so that it's ammonium before it goes in your aquarium. And then the next day or later that night or whatever, I would test and see if there's any ammonia left. But I think in a well-established tank, you should be able to probably take one to two ppm down. It, it totally depends, though, 
on what your population of nitrifying bacteria uh, is like, if there's enough or not. If there was not enough, here's what I would do. So if you try that and you find, ooh, nope, after, after the cecum safe has locked up the ammonia for 24 hours and then, and then it's no longer locked up, after, after that safe period is over, I still have ammonia in the tank. And I guess a suggestion, it's probably not gonna be fun, but something you could do is get a, a big container, like, I don't know, 40 gallon garbage can from Home Depot or Menards or whatever, and uh, fill it with your tap water, get a cycled sponge filter, put it in there, and let that convert the ammonia to nitrate before you put it in your tank. If you're in a position where your tank can't actually digest it, and then when you're done, you'll have to take that sponge filter and put it somewhere, like in a in a mature tank or something to keep it active until the next time you change water. So not a great thing, but maybe a way to solve the problem if, if your tank can't handle it within the safe period. That's my thoughts of EB23, but I'm just spitballing here. I have never had to deal with that problem. I don't have any firsthand experience with that, unfortunately. Mystery Snail Guardium, still no snails in your future? Well, there are some snails. We Right now we have some zebra nerites. We have some, I think they're called bright orange rabbit snails. Well, let's see, what are they? Let's take a quick field trip to dansfish.com and snail. Which ones do we have listed? Okay, we've got these guys. We've got these guys. For those listening on the podcast, that's the Devil Spike Snail. <laughs> I love common names. The Zebra Nerite Snail. Then we do have the Bright Orange Rabbit Snail and the Gold Spotted Rabbit Snail. Uh, should be available soon. We're, we're waiting for these to kind of get through the quarantine period, those Gold Spotted. But the other ones are up and ready to go right now. So we did bring in some snails and we did bring in some... Uh, Sulawesi type shrimp and the reason we're doing that is we were trying to maximize tank capacity so for example in a tank full of plecos or quarries what was happening was if those plecos or quarries had other fish in the tank I would often have to come in at night to feed them because when you've got a whole bunch of other fish in the tank and we tend to have large numbers of fish they'll outcompete the plecos and quarries for the food in the daytime. So it was becoming necessary for a long time. I've been coming in at night and feeding the plecos and the quarries and such at night, just so they get a chance to eat. So we were trying to figure out what's a way that we can, what can we put with the quarries and plecos that won't necessitate me having to come in at night to feed? Cause that's a pain. <laughs> So we thought, well, you know, we could put shrimp in there. And shrimp with plecos and quarries is a match made in heaven. And you can put enough food in there that the shrimp can't eat it all before the plecos or quarries get to it. And it's just fine. And so we thought snails would be a good, a good option for that as well. So that is why we started bringing in plecos and uh, the Soloasi type shrimps, just because we're... Uh, well, we brought in some caridina, uh, neocaridina shrimp as well, but that was before we decided uh, we probably shouldn't be keeping anything in this hatchery that 
could possibly survive a Wyoming winter just because we have a ton of precautions in place to prevent any organisms from escaping our facility. But if they ever did, I couldn't live with myself. So we aren't regulated to do that. We don't have to do that. Uh, it's not like if there's any agency or authority telling us, hey, you can't keep these. It's just in the back of my mind, I'm always like, what, what, what if a white cloud did get out in the local creek? You know, what if that happened? It shouldn't happen. There are a lot of precautions in place, but what if it did? So, uh, so anyway, <laughs> that's why we've gone to Sulawesi shrimp now, and that's why you'll see the snails we have for sale are either snails that need tropical temperatures, so they could not survive uh, the winter if they got out in our local waterway, or they need a uh, saltwater period for the babies to develop, for the, the larvae to develop. So trying to keep stuff that couldn't possibly live if it got out. Not that it could get out, I don't think. We've got lots of redundancy, but, but if it did, right? It's one of those things. Just want to be able to sleep at night. That's all. Is that too much to ask? Jeez, let me sleep, Mystery Snail Guardians. Let me sleep. <laughs> Just teasing you. Marvin's Loach Gardens. So what's your favorite family or genus, if possible, of fish? I like killifish. Killifish are my favorites. And that's a nostalgic thing. There's lots of awesome fish in the world. But the reason it's killifish for me is because back when I was a wee tyke, I don't know, 13 years old or so, those are the first fish that I really got into. Uh, they were the main part of my hobby up until I started my business, really. So for 20 plus years, I was a killifish freak. First egg layers I bred and raised successfully were killifish. They were a fish that I really wanted as a kid. I had seen like platies and swordtails and bettas and, you know, kept lots of that kind of stuff. But this was back in the early 90s. So I would go to the local county library once a week or so and check out a bunch of books on fish and back then they used to have more more books on aquarium fish than they do now in libraries and so that's you know this was there was no internet <laughs> not available to me anyway at the time so i'd go there i'd read all these books and i would always stop on the killifish pictures i remember uh fundalo panchax gardneri blue galeris and uh nothobronchius racavi were pictures that i'd always be like whoa those are beautiful and, and any of the others, really. I liked them all. So they were a fish that, you know, you couldn't find easily. So when I finally was able to find people that had them and bred them locally, it was a dream come true. And so had a dream to get them. After a long time searching, finally found a way to get them. And that was just like that cemented my interest for life. So killifish are my favorite. Chris... Is it Resecker? Resecker? Chris Resecker, that's what I'm going with. What were those tabs you were feeding the live bearers in the most recent video tour? They were going crazy for that food and I'd like to try it. So that particular food was Hikari Massivore Delight. Hikari Massivore Delight. So these guys, these, these big pellets. And the reason I like them is because they're big enough 
that uh, fish can chew on them for a long time. So if you're feeding in the morning, let's say, you can put some of those in the tank and they'll be picking on those until lunchtime. So it gives fish a, a chance to kind of browse and graze for a long period of time. A lot of fish that we keep in aquariums, in nature, they're eating all day long, especially live bears. Live bears in large part are detritivores. They're eating detritus, lots of detritus. And they're basically all day long just grabbing mouthfuls of detritus and algae and other things as well. And lots of fish do this. And the nutrition content might not be super high in those foods, so they eat them constantly. Kind of like a cow grazing grass, I guess. Well, in the aquarium, we often feed really rich foods. We put them in and in a few minutes later, it's all done and the fish have to eat like a lot right then, right? That's not really natural to them. So I like occasionally to put in foods that they can really graze at. And it's not always big, protein-packed pellets like the Hikari Massivore Delight. That's what I happened to be using that day. But they also go crazy for like bottom scratchers from Rapashi, which is a lot of vegetable matter. You don't necessarily want to give live bears only high-protein foods all the time. They, they eat a lot of detritus and algae and stuff like that in nature. Now, you, you can give them high-protein foods, don't get me wrong, but I don't want to give the impression that this is a food I feed all the time and I only feed that food. We give a, a large variety and they get a lot of veggies in there too, which is important for live bears. But yeah, they do go crazy for it. But they go just as crazy for any food I put in, honestly. Um, Irie77, would short video be easier than getting pictures on the website? Yeah, videos are easier and that's why I did that, uh, that's why I frequently do a little video tour. I can go around, I can take the tour, I can put it up pretty quickly. It's a lot easier to get video than to get good pictures. The problem is that I don't think it's great to have video on the website as the main way people get to know the fish as they're browsing. Uh, I think it's better to have pictures there. Now, we do sometimes have pictures on the website that you could click and it takes you to a video of a, of a certain fish. I guess you do more of that. It's just a time thing, though. It's, it's hard to do. But to get a good, crisp, clear thumbnail, you need a picture. It's hard to take a video and use that as a thumbnail because video is really grainy if it's just a still frame. Pictures are a lot crisper and clearer. But yeah, it's, I understand the thought and I appreciate it. Brady Phillips, how to get rid of Kerbenzis fry? Well, if you haven't... I mean, I don't know for sure if they would sell on getgills.com, but if you haven't tried it, you can go to this website, getgills.com, and on this site, you can create a store. And there are lots of people that have done this, lots of people that have fish for sale here. You, you go here, it's free to create a store, um, and you can list any fish you have for sale here. This is, I, I list a lot of fish here. And then, uh, it's out there in the world, and anyone that comes and browses the site can, can buy your fish. So that might be an outlet for you. If, if you do end up making a sale, a sale, then the site charges, I believe it's 5% plus whatever the transaction fee is through PayPal or Stripe or whatever. So uh, that might be a way to do it if you've tried Craigslist and all those things. 
Alishin AS. Picked up a group of what was labeled as African Tetras at a LFS. I think they are Smilake. Is that the Alestopeterseus? <laughs> Smilakai. Man, is that the blue diamond? Oh, hang on, let me see if I know this fish. Let's see. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is one of the, the I don't want to say super common, but in pet stores, this is one you, you often find. It's called the Blue Diamond Tetra, and it's a great little, little African Tetra for sure. I found them to be quite hardy. Once they settle in, all African Tetras seem to be just a little more skittish until they settle in. But once they settle in... Uh, oh, you say that. Very skittish fish. Looked up on Seriously Fish. Any thoughts on care? They're very hardy. I, I don't think they need any specific care. Except to say this. That they're going to appreciate some cover. Because they are a little skittish, like you're saying. And they really appreciate tank mates. One way I found to get uh, Yellowtail Congo Tetras... And this one, um, Alesto Petersius Smilakei, let's go with that. Uh, the Blue Diamond African Tetra is half tank mates. So I have some like Ladakara, little little peaceful dwarf cichlids in with our Yellowtail Congo Tetras, and they get along famously. The so so that's what I that's what I would suggest. Get some kind of you can think of it as a dither, but it's more like friends, you know, a community of fish that they can be with. Now, even that being said, it's still probably going to take them a week or two to kind of settle down. African tetras tend to just be a little more skittish to begin with. A train. Speaking of INV, invasive species, have you heard of the rusty catfish or crayfish? Yeah, of course. It's all over. It's thought they were originally released from school aquariums and were used as bait. Now they can be found in many states. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fisherman and you're using crayfish as bait and you're going around from lake to lake to lake, you know, it's probably going to eventually happen that they get introduced. Whether it's because you cast out a female that's got a bunch of babies in her swimmers or a lot of people at the end of the fishing day, they're like, well, we haven't used all this bait, you know, dump it in the lake. Like, I'm not saying people do that as much now. I think I'm sure it still happens. But people hopefully are a little more educated now. But back in the day... People didn't quite think of that, I don't think, as much. But yeah, the rusty crayfish, I know it's all over. Canuck Aquatropics. <laughs> Does UV sterilizer help with viruses such as, yeah, lymphocytes in freshwater? Yeah, uh, UV sterilization is very good at taking out bacteria, viruses, small protozoans, pathogens in general. Now, each UV unit will be rated differently. Not, they're not all created equal. So, for example, the unit we have is pretty much guaranteed to kill anything up to 30 microns. Anything bigger than 30 microns might create a big enough shadow that UV light wouldn't penetrate everything in the water column as it goes through that big UV sterilizer. So, I don't know what the specs are on your specific unit but in general yes i think uv sterilizers would help now that being said most viruses once the fish has them they're 
they're I don't know about most let's not say that but there are viruses and mycobacterium and other things like that that if the fish has them the fish just has them for life it's I don't know it's, it's like herpes let's say <laughs> and so there are things that definitely aren't going to be able to be uh, cured as in gotten rid of completely but they can be treated and managed but any virus or pathogen that spread via the water column uh, will be helped by UV sterilization because the UV sterilizer will take water from the wall water column and sterilize it so it helps lessen the pathogen load in the tank even if it doesn't eliminate uh, the problem from fish that might already have it Melissa Turner, best treatments for sunken belly. I got a wild-caught carbenzis and the belly seems sunk in. I put some salt in the water and paracleanse. Would you do anything else? Well, uh, not a veterinarian, totally unqualified, but let me tell you what I would do. I, to um, When I get fish that have sunken bellies in and that I'm worried about. So we have a whole protocol for this. We use three medicines. We use levamisole. The assumption is that the sunken belly is probably caused by some kind of parasite. That could be worms, that could be protozoans, that could be different things, right? And we start there, not because we're for sure that that's what it is. It could be a virus, it could be a bacteria, it could be just that the fish was uh, not taken care of properly and is emaciated. It could be lots of things, but parasites seem to be the easier ones to treat. And the medications that treat parasites seem to be easier on aquatic systems and in lots of ways, geez, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist. I hate to say this, but because I'm not qualified and I could be wrong on any of this. So, but it, it seems like I would rather get, it seems like it's safer to use, say, flubendazole than canamycin or, you know, the, the, those things are, are just safer in, in my opinion. Again, not a doctor. <laughs> so basically, he'll tell you what I would do <laughs> after just telling you that I totally don't know anything. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but you kind of got to do CYA when you're talking about this stuff as a hobbyist. So we start with trying for parasites. So levamisole treats annelid worms, roundworms. So if there's roundworms that are parasites, there's parasitic roundworms that fish can get, then that should help take care of those. If uh, we also use flubendazole because that takes care of a lot of little protozoans that could be in the gut. And flubendazole can be absorbed through the gills and the skin of the fish to actually get inside them and treat stuff internally. Uh, one problem with a lot of anti-parasite medications is they are not actually absorbed into the fish. They would have to be in food that the fish ate in order to get to the gut of the fish. So flubendazole is, from the reading I've done, is uh, readily absorbed through the, uh, through the gills and I believe the skin as well. So it gets inside the fish and treats. And then we also use ICEX is a matter of chorus. Sometimes there can be infestations of external parasites that are so extreme that they can, you know, suck out a lot of energy from a fish. So we treat with those things. If after treating with those things and, and trying to get the fish to eat and all that, if the fish is eating, it's been treated with those things and there's still no improvement, then we're like, well, 
I guess it wasn't one of those things. It wasn't a roundworm. It wasn't uh, probably a protozoan. Maybe we'll try metroprosy at that point. Um, or maybe we'll just say, let's try an antibiotic and see if that makes a difference. So we kind of go through this whole thing. We're like, what's the most likely thing that could be causing this? Let's treat for those things. And also, what's the easiest thing to treat for? If we don't know it's this versus that, we might as well start treating with the easiest thing. And we go through that protocol. So um, unfortunately, it's a lot of guesswork. The way we finally know what it was, was we find a medicine that works. It's, it's rarely we are able to get it diagnosed and then target the medicine to that. So it's like totally backwards of what you should do. But when you don't have an aquatic veterinarian next door, and uh, when the aquatic veterinarian that we do use, we do have a, one on retainer, doesn't know what it is, which is a lot of the time, then you just, then we just try stuff, so. But it could just be it's super hungry, needs good food two to three times a day, and it will recover. You know, that's possible as well. So, kind of got to go, <laughs> did I just, I just spit? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just gleeked. <laughs> Didn't mean to gleek on you there. Sorry, folks. <laughs> you kind of just got to use your best judgment. Hopefully one day fish medicine will be uh, a little more advanced and a little more available. And by medicine, I mean like, you know, professional help. So we don't have to just guess. Ow, what's a good diet for small scale archer fish to get them nicer and sassy? Currently feeding waxworms, crickets, bloodworms, tropical bud bug bites. Um, I think, well, that, that sounds yummy, but I think I would add Viber Bites to that diet just because that's got some substance to it, and ours tend to love Viber Bites. If you can get your hands on some fruit fly cultures, that would be awesome. If you can get the larger species of fruit fly, that would be even better for archers, but they'll eat either one. They'll eat the small ones too. And I think you could also add in some freeze-dried foods. Uh, I don't know if krill would be the one, but there's lots of freeze-dried foods that would be kind of size appropriate for small-scale archer fish. So those would be my thoughts. And the, and the good thing about freeze-dried foods is they float forever. So it give the archers plenty of time to eat them. So that's, that's what I think. Now we also feed ours, uh, we feed them extreme krill flakes. And they like that just fine. We feed them spirulina flakes. We, we do feed them quite a wide variety. But we try to feed foods that will float for at least a while so that they get a chance to eat them. Once they sink down, then like the, we have geophagus in there and stuff like that that will, uh, satanoperca, things like that, that will uh, eat the food off the bottom if the archers don't get it all. Mr. Guy Y, tips on breeding Madaka rice fish. I have a group in a moderately planted tank, but haven't gotten any eggs. I haven't gotten any eggs. I wonder if you have and you just don't know it. Like, our rice fish breed in bear tanks. I've had lots of baby rice fish spontaneously appear when we sold out of a tank of rice fish that was nothing but a bear glass tank with a sponge filter in it. They would, the eggs would just rub off on the sponge filter, and, you know, a few days after we sold out, a bunch of babies would appear. So, 
I wonder if they're breeding and you, you haven't seen it. Because if you've had them for a while, and if they're normal healthy fish, and you have both sexes, then I'd be very surprised if they haven't bred a few times. It's a planted tank. Mr. Guywai, um, if you've had them for, let's say, a month or more, and if you have another aquarium you could put them in, I would just do a little experiment. I would move the rice fish out of there. I'm assuming there's no other fish in there. I, I don't know. But if, if it's just the rice fish, I'd take the rice fish and move them and then check on that tank a few times a day for the next week or so and see if any babies appear at the surface. I'd be very surprised if they didn't. But that, that would be what I would do to try to get some babies in a planted tank that has rice fish in it. I don't know if it's a good idea, but it's the first one that pops in my mind. Alexander Engelhart. Hey, Alexander. Welcome, my friend. Good to see you. Thanks, as always, for your generosity. Really appreciate you. And I hope you're doing well. Wish I could make it up to Fishtoberfest. I'd like to see you again, but it's things are hopping here, so it's going to have to wait. Ethan Foster. Best method for breeding CPDs. One of my favorites. Want to get them breeding soon. Hope all is going well, my friend. Can't wait for the next group of rare fish from you. Setting up more racks soon. Awesome, Ethan. Hope you're doing well. And I have never purposely bred CPDs. I've had them breed in tanks, but I've never done it. So I'm probably not well qualified to speak to you about that. If Rick May is here, Rick, if you wouldn't mind sharing with Ethan how you do it. Uh, if you're in the chat, if you wouldn't mind chatting to Ethan. I know Rick breeds a lot of them. I believe, if I remember right, what he does is he takes a little container, I don't know, a little uh, Tupperware container or a bowl or something like that, puts a bunch of marbles in it and puts java moss on top of that and in, puts that in like a bear tank or something, made with a sponge filter. And then the CPDs go and they spawn in that java moss and it the eggs drop down in the marbles, you know, kind of like your typical breeding of cyprinids, let's say. So, I, if I remember right from a conversation I had with Rick months ago about this, I think that he does something like that. But that method has worked well for me for lots of cyprinids, so I, I'm assuming that would work for CPDs. But again, I've never uh, really bred them in mass, just had them breed in aquariums by happenstance. Um, there might be other folks here besides Rick, though, that have bred and raised CPDs. If you have, if you wouldn't mind... Uh, leaving a comment in the chat for Ethan Foster and letting him know how you did it. That would be awesome. Let's get the hive mind on this. Jeff's Aquatics, any ideas when you could get orange lemon tetras? Yes, I hope to have some orange lemon tetras available quite soon. Uh, I don't know for sure when they'll be available, but uh, I, do, I do think I'll have some available pretty soon, Jeff. And by pretty soon, I'm thinking within the next two to three weeks would be my guess. PNW Aqua. <laughs> Wait, Johnny Dancefish, thanks for the Greyhound bus ticket for Dan. <laughs> I've done that. When I was in high school once, I really wanted to go to the beach. And the beach is like three and a half, four hours away. And uh, so a friend and me hitched a ride on a Greyhound. <laughs> 
went and had a weekend and rode back on a Greyhound. You know, back in the day when things were a little different. PNW Aqua. Thank you for your support of GPAS Fishtoberfest both last year and this upcoming weekend. We're proud to have you as a sponsor. Can the platies go in a room temperature tank? Well, PNW, I'm happy to support Fishtoberfest. They're, it's, a, it's a fun event. Um, as far as platies, these are maculatus. I know variatus can go pretty low. Maculatus, though, I believe is down kind of southern Mexico and uh, Guatemala, kind of that area. Is that right? Ziphophorus maculatus. Natural range. It says they can go 64 to 77 degrees, I mean, on Wikipedia. But if this is correct... Maculatus is native to Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, Honduras. It's been introduced lots of places. So, so if that's correct, I don't think they're going to want to be super cold. That's far enough south that I don't think they're going to be super cold. And... From the, the talk on live bears that I attended at uh, the Triple Crown event, I believe these guys are fairly coastal. I don't think they live super high up in the mountains or anything, if I remember right. I'm trying to find like a really expert site here real quick that we could look at as far as temperatures. But yeah, it's not gonna, it's gonna take longer than that. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I guess what's room temp? Uh, depends on how warm you keep your room, I suppose. So I'm in Wyoming, so, so room temp can be in the low 40s easily. <laughs> so, um, I would, yeah, I, I would say if you keep your, your house comfortable for you to be in, in like uh, jeans and a t-shirt, then the, the maculatus would probably be fine. Oh, that's great to hear. Ginger Coat saying, speaking of live bears, cellfin babies are still doing great. I'm glad to hear that. Fish root fever, my uh, uh, Felicthes quadrupunctatus dropped, dropped fry this morning. I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. We need to get that four-spot Mary Widow out there. It's such a hardy, easy fish in my experience. It's just not available, so I think it could be. I think it's just going to take a, a few hobbyists to raise some and spread them out. I think people will have success with that fish. PNW Aqua, what are you feeding your the baby the pipefish, baby brine? So, Seer, I, I show that tank in detail, I believe, two tours ago, if you want to see it on video. Two fish room tour type videos ago. Like, wait, it's, it's in the, like... Uh, what was it? 24-7 times 5 or dawn till dusk times 5. It's in that video, I believe, where I show the tank in detail. But the way we do it is that tank has a bunch of java moss in it and java fern in it. And it has a culture of scuds. It has, we put all of our like cherry shrimp coals in there. And we also feed baby brine shrimp. So the scuds are reproducing all the time. So that's constant food for them. The little uh, neocaridina shrimps are reproducing all the time, so that's constant food for them. 
and then every day or a few two two times a day when there's fresh babies in there three times a day we also put baby brine shrimp in there so they have they can browse all day on scuds and shrimp and then they get baby brine shrimp as well Ira Nelson I just got three new monsters a 10 to 11 inch Oscar an 8 inch Dempsey and a 13 plus inch albino redfin pleco Holding them in a 75 gallon while I get the two 90 gallons, I plan on splitting them between. Well, I hope that goes well for you. Oscars are like little water puppies. And I, I know a Jack Dempsey is like super common and everything, but that's a beautiful fish. If the Jack Dempsey wasn't common, let's say that that had just been imported yesterday for the first time, people would be like, whoa, I want that. Right? They're, they're beautiful. Fish Tank Barn. Mine are doing well. All right, good to hear it. Good to hear it. Legion Aquatics. I want to try breeding crims. What should I feed them to condition them? And what do I feed the fry after they hatch? And anything I should know when picking a pair? Well, if, if you can pick a pair that's already paired off, if that's possible, then that's, that's the no-brainer way to pick the pair. You can kind of tell. They'll be hanging out together. Her belly will be bright red. And uh, they'll be hanging out and kind of keeping the other fish at bay just a little bit. Now, that's not totally necessary, but it's the easiest way to do it if it's possible. It's not always possible. As far as what should you feed them, honestly, cribs are super easy. You don't, if you just maintain them well and feed them well, like good clean water, a good variety of food, they're going to spawn for you eventually. At least I would be very surprised if they didn't. So the good news about cribs is you don't have to do anything special. You just need to keep them healthy and happy. But if you want to condition them, then you can rotate in certain foods. You could rotate like frozen bloodworms into the diet. Uh, frozen brine shrimp is great. Just don't go too heavy on protein all the time or you might have some problems. But if you're trying to condition them for breeding, take a few days and give them baby blood, uh, baby bloodworms, uh, frozen bloodworms or something like that, and, and they should be okay. But I don't think you have to. I would just keep them in a healthy aquarium, feed them well, but I don't think you have to do anything crazy. Now, they might take a little time to settle in and spawn, but they almost always will. Nathan Hovey, what type of... If any, rainbows would do good in a 20 long, thanks. Well, I would always suggest in a 20 long uh, going for pseudomugils if you like blue eyes. I know that they're not truly rainbows, but they're super closely related to rainbows. But if you're talking about rainbows themselves, 20 long, I think you could probably do some Kalitawa. From what I've seen and read, I don't think they get bigger than two to two and a half inches. Um, Hoon Aquatics, if you're here or anyone else who's kept them longer term than I have, is that a true statement? Does Kalitawa top out at two to two and a half inches? If that's true, then I think in a 20 long, you could probably do some Kalitawa. Sharon Jones Pierce. Didn't realize you are so close. Only 200 miles. Hey, in Wyoming, 200 miles is down the street. Yeah, absolutely. We call Wyoming a, uh, a small town with very long roads. <laughs> Rachel Irwin, are you going to be getting female threadfin rainbows? I try 
every time. Sometimes you can order pairs, and I try. And sometimes they send me pairs, sometimes they don't. So we do have Threadfin Rainbows right now. I, Johnny, they're all males, right? I, I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, I try, Rachel. I like getting pairs of Threadfins, and that's what I always try to order. Doesn't mean that's always what I get. It's a funky industry. Skippers Aquariums, what would you feed Pandagara? I would give Pandagara a big variety of foods, just, just like most other fish, and maybe just slightly heavier on the veggies. So give them a rotation. If you're going to feed really protein-rich or fatty foods, I would do that a little more sparingly. I'd rotate in spirulina. I'd rotate in algae wafers or bottom scratchers. Um, frozen brine shrimp is really good for most fish because it's so chitinous. Uh, it has so much roughage in it that it, it tends to pass through the fish and not cause blockages or bloat and things like that. But Pandagara, uh, when we have them, we, we tend to rotate. We'll give them bottom scratchers or algae wafers. Then we might give them a, a protein pellet the next day. And then the day after that, we might give them some spirulina flake or some frozen food of some kind. But I just, I just keep the variety. I think variety for most fish is the key. I truly believe that. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, are those... And, and by the way, Skipper's Aquariums, if, you've ha, if you have Pandagar and you've had them more than a, a week or two, so they're settled in and stuff, and they aren't eating well for you, that's an issue. In my experience, Pandagar are like super excited about food all the time as, as long as they've settled into their new tank. So hopefully they're not going to be a challenge to, to feed. Are those spotted Congos throwing eggs? I know a puffer breeder who likes a challenge. They are. Um, we've, we've had some of the spotted Congo puffers hooking up, <laughs> if you will. I, we aren't raising the eggs. That's beyond me right now, raising little puffer fry, but they are. Now, I don't know how to sex them accurately unless they are actively in the clinch, so to speak. But if they're actively spawning and courting, if, if the male's grabbed onto the female, then I'm like, oh, I know how to sex those. That's a pair. But if they're not actively breeding and courting, then it's I wouldn't count on me to sex them. I'd be so nervous about doing that just because they're an expensive fish and... I'd hate to guarantee a pair and be like, oh, I didn't know that females could look like that or whatever. Jeff's Aquatics. Hey, Dan, any chance you could get a Panoculus? What is this one? Clostolifer? Is I have the 397s already. Let's see, which one is this? Let's go on a field trip, folks. Let's find out which species this is. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I haven't seen that available, but uh, if I did, that's right up my alley. That's probably something I would order. So I haven't seen that on the list, Jeff. Johnny Best. Ever thought of selling more than just fish, like food, botanicals? Yeah, I mean, we, we've thought about it a little bit, but I think one thing you can do in business is drown in skews uh, like try to do too much drown an opportunity and be like hey we could do this and this and this and this and 
and then you you get too scattered. I'm just right now we're just dead focused on being the absolute best at uh, making sure that fish are sourced properly, are properly quarantined and maintained and cared for here, and are are transported responsibly to our customers. That's just we're laser focused on that. And like shrimp and snails and stuff too, right? So you know, aquatic organisms, let's say. Mostly fish, though. Everything else is kind of a complement to the fish. If we're like, hey, what can we do to help our plecos and take advantage of the tank space? You know, we'll put shrimp in there. But it's all based on the fish themselves. So right now, that's what we're focused on. We we don't want to get too, too scattered. And the other thing is we spent a lot of resources building a facility specifically to do that. It's a very specialized facility. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to tank that really expensive square footage that's created for one thing and uh, and use it as like a super, like a, I don't know, storage container that <laughs> you could just store dry goods in, like, you know, pumps and lights and, and all that stuff. So, no, we aren't really doing that right now. Now, that doesn't mean that we wouldn't in the future. One other thing, though, is uh, we also, we're, we would like to expand our affiliate program. And some of the folks that we'd like to affiliate with, they sell dry goods. And so I don't, I would rather not compete with them on that and have them be affiliates then compete with them on that and not have them be affiliates. So there's there's some ideas we have about expanding our affiliate program. And uh, we don't want to... It'd be hard to say, hey, do you want to affiliate with us? Uh, we sell the same things you do. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't quite work. So there's a couple reasons. Lady Rorschach. Dancefish, are strawberry ras borers returning the site in the foreseeable future? I'm an enthusiast on the variety of this variety of rasbora and would love to get a school from your company. Much appreciated. Which one is that? Is that Boraris? Uh, is that Maculatus? Let's see. Strawberry rasbora. Ah, it's not Maculatus, it's Navus. Um, I don't think we have any of those in quarantine at the moment. Johnny, would you correct me if I'm wrong? We have a few little Barara species, but I don't think we have Navus in at the moment. Um, that is one that I like a lot, though, Lady Rorschach. So, it's not one I see often, though, so I don't know when it would come in again, but that is the type of fish that I do like to bring in when I can. I just got to Alexander Engelhart's super chat. For those who are wondering how far behind in the chat I am, way far behind. We don't even try to keep up. <laughs> we look at the chat as like jumping off points to have conversations or talk about topics. We don't look at it as like something we're doing in real time. So, Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, been a member for three months. That's awesome. Uh, Dance fish. Amazing spotted Congo photo. Ready to buy a pair and, re and raise fry. 
pick up my dividable self-designed puffer breeding tank tomorrow. Oh, that's exciting, Matthew. That's exciting. So, Matthew, would you email me and let's get a plan together to try to get you a pair. I don't want to go into detail here because this is not something I'd be willing to do for your average customer. But for those that don't know, Matthew has contributed quite a lot to this company. He's written articles for our newsletter and he's successfully bred and raised lots of species of puffers. And I'm, I like to encourage the domestic production of the Congo spotted puffer so that next time there's strife in the region they come from, Stanley Pool in the Congo, um, they don't disappear from the hobby for another 20 years like they did recently. Um, so, yeah, Matthew, send me an email. We'll let's let's get our brains together and figure out a way to get you a pair. The the highest likelihood to get you a pair. The other thing is, I know Matthew can breed and raise this fish. There's, I'm sure, a lot of people that would like to breed and raise Congo spotted puffers, but the only two folks that I know of that I'd be like, yeah, I'll work with you to get you a pair because I'm I'm confident that you'll actually raise them, are uh, Mountaintop Puffer Keeper and Preston John. Now, maybe other people are doing it too that I don't know of, but you know, these guys have a track record, so I think that they could help. Let's see here. Paul Soltero, another way to move excess fish is to bring them to your local club auction or visit your local LFS and work out a deal, no shipping involved. Oh yeah, if, if this is about uh, the Crebensis, for sure. That might be a way to do it, yep. One thing to be aware of though is Often, if you take a common fish like that to a club, like, everyone's already got them. <laughs> but you can try it. I wouldn't think you're going to get much for them, though. Kelly Foreman, gifted five dance fish memberships. Kelly, thank you so much. Thanks for being a member. Thanks for gifting memberships. That's awesome. And thanks to all our members. We're like... We're like over 80 members. We might be up to like 90 members now, which blows my mind. Thanks to everyone who's a member. I really appreciate it. Um, this little startup company needs all the financial help it can get, so every membership counts. It's, it's awesome. We appreciate it. Nawandu, which is better species, reticulated Siamese algae eater or true Siamese algae eaters? Uh, the reticulated I'm not really familiar with. The true Siamese algae eater I know does a pretty good job at eating algae. I don't have any experience directly with the reticulated, but I think it would be pretty much the same thing. Does anyone here know, if you've kept reticulated Siamese algae eaters, how did they compare with the normal, common Siamese algae eater? Morgan Warling, I'm sorry, I'm a bit late to the stream. Tardiness is not tolerated, Morgan. To the principal's office with you. Of course, I'm joking. Glad you could make it. Thank you so much. Just wanted to say that my order went great. All the fish are alive and well, and considering how fragile they are, the platinum half beaks are in good shape. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that, Morgan. Always warms my heartstrings to know that the fish do well. And to anyone who placed an order in was in in the the statistical bell curve gotcha and you had a problem I'm so sorry we do literally everything we can think of 
to make it so the fish arrive alive and in good shape. So I'm glad that they did for you, Morgan. Anyone that they didn't, I, I really apologize. I don't know what else we could do, though. I, we're doing everything we can think of. But again, 98.85% uh, of the fish that we've sent in 2022 have arrived alive and stayed alive as far as we know, as far as customers have reported to us. So we do a pretty good job. Gardenmatic81, howdy. Well, howdy, neighbor. Long story, but my biggest tank is down to one Frontosa and one Brachardi. What different species would you suggest to add? Who <laughs> Frontosa and Brachardi. Tank is running well for eight years now. Not to question you, but are you sure it's a Frontosa, not like a Tret, Tretocephalus, I think is the name? which basically looks like a small frontosa. Because a big frontosa and a brachardi, I'm like, really? Those are getting along? Let's see here. You know, I'm just not... I'm just not the Tanganyikan cichlid guy. I... If I suggested things, I'd be guessing, and I don't want to mislead you, Gardenmatic81, so I, I probably shouldn't chime in on that. Someone here, if you know your Tanganyikan cichlids... And you have some ideas for Gardenmatic 81, if you would chime in. Let's get the hive mind on that one, because I, I'm not, I don't think I'm the right guy for that one. Kaylor's Aquatics and Reptiles throwing down Pippi Longstocking. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for cheering my heart with a little Pippi cheerleader action. Rah, rah, go, go Pippi. Um, thanks for the super chat. Appreciate you. Thanks for all you do for us. Alicia AS, I've never seen the blue diamonds in any LFS, only on your list. Uh, I have them in with a trio of tele what? Teleogramma brichardi, not exactly good to their fish. May try an SA Tetra as a friend fish. Okay. Teleogramma brichardi, now that's a beautiful fish. For those of you that don't know this fish, check this thing out. It's like, it reminds me of a... Uh, Trophius, <laughs> the pattern. Look at these guys. Look at that. I did try to get some teleogramma in recently, but they did not show up. Like, look at that thing. That is just cool. Look at that one. I uh, know. I think I think uh, teleogrammas are just one of the neatest groups of fish out there. Never had them. Just drooled over the pictures. Oh wait, I'm not even showing this, am I? I'm sorry. I'm so bad at my job some days. These are the fish I'm talking about. A really neat, like riverine cichlid from West Africa. Sorry, I wasn't showing that earlier. Unless I was and already forgot. It's possible. It's been one of those days. I'm tired. Okay. Let's see here. We're going to Hunter McLaren. Hunter, thank you so much for being a member. Really appreciate that. Hey, Dan, what's your view on the ethics of tank rays versus wild-caught cardinal tetras? Some say wild-caught is exploitative, while others say encouraging wild collection protects the habitat. 
I can't think of a better way to protect a habitat than making the species of fish that naturally live there economically viable in a sustainable way. That's what I think about that. If you can make a sustainable living by responsibly and sustainably fishing cardinal tetras, you're going to preserve the cardinal tetras habitat because you need that fish to live so you can fish it, right? That's the theory behind Project Piava. And so I can't think of a better way to do it than making, than incentivizing people to, to, to want to make that happen. So they put in the work to make that happen. So that's my thought on it. Um, now, is it exploitative? I don't think it's exploitative to the fish at all. Those fish are made to boom and bust. Uh, a lot of the fish we keep in our aquariums are made to multiply by the millions in the rainy season and die off in the millions in the dry season. They're very used to... They, they literally are adapted to surviving that as a species. So fishing them in large numbers does not do really anything to their population because that population when the dry season comes is going to crash anyway. So I don't think it's exploitative to the fish. I do think you can make an argument that it's exploitative to the uh, piscaderos, to the fishermen that... Pescaderos, right? That, uh, that collect the fish. The reason is, is if we're trying to make it an economically viable thing for them, uh, they need to be paid enough for the fish to make it economically viable. One of the problems that we have right now in that area is it's not as economically viable as it used to be. There are alternatives that folks can do to make more money. And so the population of fishermen that collect uh, cardinal tetras is dwindling just because it's hard to make a living doing it. So I think the fishermen and women, let's... Uh, so I'm going to be PC about that, I suppose. Uh, the Fisher peoples, I think, uh, probably deserve to be paid enough that they can do that for a living sustainably. So if that happens, I'm all for it. If they don't get paid enough that they can make a sustainable living and that the people further up the supply chain are, are making all the profit from that resource and the people actually on site are not... Uh, doing okay, then then I think we have a problem. So that's my thoughts about that. Big shrimp, and what kind of flakes do you feed? I, I feed lots of different kinds. The kinds I have right now, which we detail, by the way, in the uh, From Dawn Till Dusk Times 5 tour video. Um, it's not really a tour. It's like a vlog, like a here's what we did this week at Dance Fish kind of thing. Go over that in detail, but... Uh, so I think I should refer you to that. But basically, I don't, I'm not dedicated to any one brand. I look for ingredients where the fillers are far down the list and the desirable ingredients are far up the list so that I can be sure that the fish are not just eating, you know, grain, basically, fillers. And then I go from there. So 
but I always do mixes, uh, not mixes, rotations. I always give protein, but then I'll rotate in some kind of veggie. Uh, I do several different brands because I feel like then the fish are more likely to get a, a more well-rounded diet. And we include frozen and live foods in a lot of those diets as well. Jeremer, thanks for the community you have created. Oh, I, I am happy to be a member of this community and I'm not the only one that created this. I, I can't take full credit for that. I put out content, like I'm here every week religiously, unless like last week, I was literally driving to the Denver airport to pick up the big import because I don't control when the flights come. So uh, apart from stuff like that, I, I do show up, but I think uh, there's a lot of people that are involved in creating this community that uh, from the beginning have supported us and told their friends and spread the news. And there's lots of other channels that are you know, supportive of the quote-unquote fish fam and keep this all, all going. But... Jeremer, I'm glad you're getting value of it. And for the little part I have played in creating this community, then you are welcome. But I want to recognize there's a lot of other people involved as well. 322 folks are in chat. It's 826. I, I guess we better do the giveaway. We'll do that in just a moment. First, I'm going to get one more question. AA, hello. We are new to your channel. My son is almost nine. Yes. I love it when kids get involved in fish keeping. Hello to your son. Whatever your name is, son of AA, hello, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Um, I've loved fish since I was a kid. It's been an important part of my life, so I'm glad you're here. And recently got into fish. We have platies and mollies so far. That is very exciting. Hello to both of you, welcome. If there's anything we can do to help you out, let us know. All right, we're going to get to the giveaway after we say thank you to Mark Powell for becoming a member of the Fishmonger crew. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining up. And Chattanooga Ed punching me in the face with a fox cat corgi thing. <laughs> Ed, good to hear from you. I hope you're doing well. One of the highlights of the Triple Crown was meeting Ed. Just a great guy. Wish we'd had more time to hang out. Okay, I suppose we should do a little giveaway here. For those that don't know, or just to, you know, get a little drool going on because they're so pretty, these are the fish we're giving away. We're giving away a group of blue coral calico platies, and they do look like this. This is not a lie. Nice blue iridescence on a white background with black spots and red down, or orangish down the back of the fish. Really pretty fish. And the reason we're giving them, them away is they, they look so darn good. And we've got a lot of them, so we can, you know, we can share. So the winner of those, there are 239 eligible entries. The winner is Elizabeth Lamb. Elizabeth Lamb, congratulations. You have won the platies, but you do have to comment. So you have to let us know you're here because your presence is required to win. So leave a chat just saying yay or hello or I'm here or thanks or whatever you want to say. So we know you're here. You have two minutes to do that. If you have not done that in two minutes, we will draw someone else. All right, while we're waiting for that, let's talk to Ginger Coates who says, by the way, Ginger, we, we so appreciate you. Thanks for being such a great customer. It's always been a pleasure to deal with you. Thank you so much. Worth mentioning that snails will eat fish eggs for anyone trying to breed. All right. 
Like, I was watching those rabbit snails. I totally believe that those rabbit snails could take down some eggs. They're, they're pretty big. <laughs> Mega Mindy Lou, sorry, I've been so, it's been so long. No problem, Mega Mindy Lou. I hope you're doing well. Good to hear from you. Waiting on a big order from you tomorrow. Just updated my tanks to a sun sun filter with UV lights. What are your thoughts about UV light? Do they work? Well, they do work. And I believe they work enough that I'm staking my entire business on them. I have two eight-foot big, big boy monster UV sterilizers that sterilize the water coming into the building so that we don't introduce any diseases to our fish from the local creek that we draw our water from. And then we have another big boy eight-foot-long massive UV sterilizer that sterilizes the water leaving the aquariums before it's returned to the local waterway so we don't introduce any diseases from our fish to the local waterway. So I've staked a lot on UV sterilization, but it works. It's a, it's a proven technology. Now the sun sun filter, does its UV light work? I, I don't know. I've never looked into that, but UV light does kill pathogens for sure. All right. While, Hey, Elizabeth Lamb is here. Says yay here. All right, Elizabeth. Last thing, send your first name, last name and mailing address to us at hello at dancefish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, so we know who to send the fish to and where to send them. And if you do that, we'll get you squared away with a shipping date. So all you have to do is email us at hello at dancefish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, with your first name, last name, and mailing address so we can get the fish shipped. Congratulations, thanks for participating. Always a good time doing a giveaway. It's 8.31, so we're out of time. Thanks to my moderators for helping, volunteering their time to, uh, to make this stream work. Thanks to everyone that threw money at us. We really appreciate it. So it's never required by any means, but it's very much appreciated. Thanks to the members and for those that joined up. Excited to get some membership stuff going. Uh, anyway, I won't get too into that right now. We're trying to sign off, but excited to have the members. Thanks. Everyone who was lively in the chat, thanks for participating. Everyone who is lurking, respect, hail the Lurker Nation. If you're watching the replay, hello from the past. <laughs> and if you're listening to the podcast, thanks so much for listening. Uh, with that, we're going to sign off. We'll be back next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I sincerely hope you have a wonderful week. Bye-bye, folks. <laughs>